Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Equipped to Be Show with Connie Albers. Equipped to Be is a podcast dedicated to helping you discover and develop your unique strengths, gifts, and talents so you can apply them to all areas of life. So let's get ready to dive into how you are equipped to be. Hey, everybody, welcome to the next edition of Coping with Crisis. All right, so today's guest, you're absolutely going to love. She's a sweet friend of mine. She actually endorsed Parenting Beyond the Rules, Dr. Kathy Cook. You will love her. She has got a brand new book, Five to Thrive. She's got six, uh, five other books in addition to her brand new one. She hosts a mom's conference. She speaks around the world. She does radio interviews, television interviews. And her passion is to point families to Jesus. And she does that by helping families be stronger. And she specifically helps parents love their children, teach their children, and understand their children. You're absolutely going to love her. So in this specific coping with crisis, Kathy and I are going to deep dive on a couple topics that I know you will be greatly encouraged by. So Kathy, I'm so grateful. I know it's crazy times that we're living in. There's not American uh, alive that isn't being impacted by this coronavirus and really every crisis. I mean, all spectrums of what's going on in our culture uh, is impacting somebody, young or old. So thank you for coming on the show today. And if you would, take a minute and kind of introduce yourself uh, to our guest. Um, I'm sure you are going to do way better than I would do at talking about your past and your background, and especially uh, the fact that you have been in the public school sector, you've been in the college sector, you speak at homeschooling conferences, you speak at um, parenting summits. I, I don't know what you don't speak at, but could you just <laughs> tell us a little bit about you? Hey, I'd love to. And first, Connie, thank you so much for the honor of being one of your guest experts. I really appreciate that. Love your ministry. Love what you do for uh, moms, dads, kids, families. Yeah, so Celebrate Kids is the name of my ministry. We're based in Fort Worth. We're almost 30 years old. I am a former uh, public school teacher, university professor, uh, middle school, high school coach, and a school board member of a Christian school. And uh, that's where I really began to understand Christian worldview kind of things and how my Christian faith should be affecting uh, educational domains, if you will. And uh, for 30 years, been speaking to uh, teachers in Christian and public schools, lots of parents, lots of kids of all ages, uh, young adults, been to 30 countries to support missionaries. And uh, like you, have found that writing books for parents is um, an efficient way, not for us, writing is not efficient, but it's efficient <laughs> for them to read the books and to learn what they can. And my newest book, Five to Thrive, is about how to help uh, ourselves and young people meet our core needs in healthy ways and not in unhealthy ways. That's super relevant to the conversation we'll be having today. I almost feel like, Kathy, every conversation when I invited, just for you listeners, when I invited Kathy on the show and I said, hey, we're not going to have a formal outline or script because this is specifically about coping with crisis. Um, Kathy wrote back to me after I listed just a couple items. She goes, we could talk for hours. And I'm like, yes, we could. There's so much we could say and speak into and help and encourage and equip you. But um, 
For this specific uh, coping with crisis, Kathy, because you've been involved in really all sectors of the education on all sides of it, I would love for you to kind of help parents understand two things. One, what their college kids that have just been told pack their bag and go home, what they're dealing with, the mindset that they might be experiencing, and the children that, you know, the educators in the private and the public and private schools that all of a sudden were told, oh, guess what? You're going to start teleteaching a Monday. And mm-hmm. by the way, your own kids are going to be, you know, climbing the walls and you got to teach your own kids on top of it all. So uh, could you maybe speak a little bit into those two sides of it? The kids that are in college that have been told to go home and then the educators, what they might be dealing with and how we can um, extend grace to them. Sure. Yeah. Great phrase. Extend grace. Uh, grace for ourselves. And certainly grace for educators, grace for uh, kids of all ages and these college students. You know, what comes to mind, Connie, is grief. I think I think everyone's grieving. That's and a good I word. And I think it might, you know, it might show up differently. It might look like fatigue. It might show up as anger. It might um, come out as, um, you know, yelling and screaming. And it may look like depression and could easily fall into that. Uh, college students, let's just go there for a second. College students, high school seniors, same boat, have a lot to grieve. Uh, it's possible that they're going to miss um, senior recitals. They're going to miss proms. They're going to miss um, a, a senior soccer season. They're going to miss a graduation. I hope not. Possibly they may. Certainly um, opportunities, the fun they were looking forward to, maybe even a spring break trip, depending upon when their spring break was scheduled. So I think I think we need to give grace to people who are grieving, and grief has stages, and we all go through it differently. Some of us grieve more quickly than others. Some of us analyze our feelings. Others just feel their feelings deeply and may not be able to talk about it. So I think I, think I would encourage all of us to be available to hear the story and to not listen for your turn to talk, to not listen to judge, to not listen to help and analyze necessarily, but to listen to listen. Oh, I so that love the person, that. Well, thanks. You know, I want the person to feel valuable. I want their story to matter. And it's and I, I think one of the things that I think we can do, Connie, whether we're listening as loved ones or educators, is did you did you need to hear yourself say that or are you asking for help? Because mm. not you know, not everybody who's telling us about what they're missing out on, not everybody wants us to solve their problems. And as soon as we try to solve their problems, we treat them like problems we're trying to solve and projects we're trying to finish rather than treating them like a soul that is really hurting, if you will. So I think one of the most honoring things to say to someone is, would you like my help? How can I help you? Or did you just need to hear yourself talk? Boy, I took all kinds of notes, Kathy. That was really, I mean, be available to hear and not just like waiting for your opportunity to jump in the conversation and start talking. That is so, that's just so wise. You know, listeners, I know you're folding laundry or you're dealing with your children, but type it in your phone, put it in your notes, you know, put it on a post-it note, put it on your closet, wherever you hide to escape. That's so important. 
um, listening, mm-hmm. like you just said, your children aren't a project to fix or finish. <laughs> As a mom of five, I know I so badly wanted to fix my children. Um, and now that they're all adults, <laughs> if I if I still try to fix them, they don't respond real kindly to that either. So I think that is just a great way to, to phrase that, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Connie. And let me say, you know, that the, the heart of the mom and the dad is to fix, and that's one of your roles and responsibilities. And I honor that about you, um, the, the power that you have to influence even adult children is, is a magnificent, that God would trust you with that. There's just times and rhythms to it. And I know that um, young people that I've had a chance to minister to have appreciated through the years, the fact that I have slowed down, I've not made it about me and my ability, but I've made it about them and their heartache. And I think that that prevents maybe the overwhelmedness, which again, hello, grief. And then I think the other word that I would describe is I think we're all overwhelmed. And you know, those of us who love to predict and plan, oh my goodness, Connie, you know, the calendar is just out the window, right? And it's it's alarming to some of us. So we have to find we have to find patience and kindness. And we can find those things. Those are choices we make every day to treat others the way that we want to be treated. Kathy, how would you go uh, unpack that a little bit more? I mean, how do you find, how do you find that? I mean, especially Mm. when we're dealing with grief and fatigue. I mean, who's, I, I, I think so. I think everybody is dealing with Corona fatigue. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. as a result, we're going to see more anger and depression. So how do you find that? And how do you recommend for parents, uh, to, to be able to find that so that they can be better parents to their children? Right. No, that's a great question. I think you know, we it's not selfish to take care of yourself. And we can take care of ourselves without ignoring other people in the home. I was just um, talking to someone who admitted that when she's been overwhelmed with her children, she's gone into her master bedroom, shut the door, gone into her master bedroom closet and shut the door, Found her one pay, one pound bag of M&M's on the upper <laughs> shelf, sat on the floor and ate a few of them and gave herself a five-minute break. She knew her kids were safe. She knew that there wasn't going to be anything going wrong. But she has discovered that if she did not do that, um, she, and she says to the kids, I love this line, Connie. She says, um, mommy's sad, mommy's glad is about to become sad and I don't <laughs> want it to be mad. So I'm giving mommy a time out. Oh, that's perfect. Um, I you think- know what? And I, you know, that's Sue Heimer. I don't know if you know Sue Heimer. She's a brilliant speaker and a, an author in her own right of a really good book about how to stop screaming at kids. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think that we need to demonstrate to our children anger management. And that's one of the ways to do it, right? And we can, I think we, so we need to give ourselves grace. We need to give ourselves a time out. We need to sleep and rest and, and, you know, have the cup of coffee, if you will. We need to go for a walk. As much routine as we can keep regular, we should, because routine is a part of our security. I think we need to forgive quickly. And I asked, we need to say, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not excusing your behavior. Your choice was negative. My reaction was also negative, and I will own that. And I'm so sorry I scared you with my quick temper. Let's work on both. I mean, I think we have those conversations. 
I just wrote this down. You know, it's interesting. A couple of my other guests have mentioned a similar thing. And before we went live, I told you uh, I'm hearing similar things being said. And it's not because uh, I gave somebody a script. It's because I, I really believe there's truth in having rest and having some time where you can uh, fill back up, whether it's M&Ms or it's for a little walk or whatever that work, you know, for you, for, well, for me, Kathy, I'll tell you what I used to do. <laughs> My kids would be inside and there'd be chaos. And so I would go outside. I get the one, I get to be the one that goes out in place and leaves the crazy in the house. And, and it was fine. You know, they weren't going to do anything, you know, terrible. It's just, I needed quiet. I just needed quiet mm-hmm. so my brain could think and process. But you you talked about the importance of routine. You know, going back to kids that, you know, we have millions of kids, because uh, I know you speak at homeschool conferences all over the country. And mm-hmm. um, you also know there's, there's millions of children that have now been told, oh, by the way, you're going home and you're going to be homeschooled by your parent. And <laughs> many of these parents, they're used to parenting a few hours a day. You know, they drop the children off at the carpool line and mom and dad scramble home, gets or whoever's dropping them off and they scramble home, get some work done or whatever they need to do in that allotted time. They pick the kids back up, they get homework, they have dinner, say bedtime prayers or read stories, and then they tuck them in bed. But now they're doing this thing called life 24-7. They're trying to fit work and school and life and all this fear and unrest and financial issues. They're trying to fit it all in the, the four mm-hmm. walls that they're living in. Um, so you mentioned routine, that that's important. As a homeschool mother, I you know we could have slept in and not do whatever we wanted to do, but I knew, you know, there's there's an order, there's decency, there's order to everything. The sun rises, the sun sets, we have seasons. So order and routine. When your children have been in a private or public school or a hybrid school, and now they're stuck, as some parents say, home, <laughs> what, would, what, do you, what would you say about that? How, how should they go about s- establishing a routine um, yeah. that works for the whole family? What would you recommend? Well, certainly, if the if the educators have made recommendations, try to follow them. They are probably making the best attempt to suggest how long lessons might take, or that they would recommend doing, you know, literacy things maybe you know first thing in the morning. And yet, they don't know you and your kids, and they don't know that you have a baby at home and an elderly mom you're also caring for. So this is where you know you own it and you have grace for yourself. Ideally, you could establish a routine that may be somewhat consistent Monday through Friday. But um, if not in the school day, if not in the school part of the day, then maybe routine is we will eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner together at the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. And we will have, we will always have a snack and we will always have a board game at night and a a story at night. So do what you can in the, in the, the school part of the day. But, oh, my goodness, this is overwhelming. I wouldn't be able to teach math to a, to a kid. So let me also, you know, you're not homeschooling your children. Your kids are at home being schooled. That's a great um, way to put it. And, you know, you and I know that home homeschooling parents have been called to it. They've been equipped by uh, curriculum providers. They've been working at it for a long time, and they've established a rhythm. And they and their kids know, okay, now I'm mom, and now I'm teacher mom. Well, when you bring your kids home to 
home from school. It, now the parent is taking on a role that he or she doesn't want to have. So that's hell of negativity. Mm. And the kids don't really want to be there. So it's, it's a mess. It's just a mess. So um, I, think we're, I think we're ready for kids to say, my teacher doesn't do it that way. And I think you say, I am not your teacher. Sit down and do it. <laughs> I think you stand up for yourself. I think if you're, if you're listening and you're the mom and the dad who educated your kids for a season, of course they're going to compare you. Don't, don't be offended. Don't take it personally. Especially little kids, you know, they have their way of doing math or spelling. Or, mom, we always read it out loud first, and then we do the worksheet. Well, if the teacher hasn't thought to tell you that, you don't know that. So you say, thank you, Jeremiah, for telling me that. I'll try to remember to do it that way tomorrow. Or you say, I, I understand that the teacher does it that way, but sweetheart, I've got these other kids at the table, grandma's calling, sit down, you know. I think we, we expect behavior. You know, the other thing, Connie, we need to make sure that parents understand that at home, we don't have to be in school from eight to three. Right. Right? Because, oh my goodness, you can be so much more efficient because you have one, two, or three kids, you don't have 27 you don't have walking in the hall and, you know, recess and lunch and music and art and all the other things that take up the day. So feel free to be super efficient and then learn by playing board games and learn by going for a scavenger hunt and learn by doing charades and learn with appropriate use of technology of doing field trips over the Internet and um, teach your children what it means to um, learn through the challenge. Right. I mean, for for the from a scriptural perspective, from a, how would I say it, from a Christian worldview, from a Bible perspective, this is a rich opportunity. Mm. And, and I don't I don't say that lightly. I understand that it is a crisis. That's the right word to use. I understand that there's real suffering or perceived for some people or the expectation, but they're already suffering even though they haven't yet. They're just expecting to. And I, again, I, ho- I hope that's coming across right. We've got to be really careful here. You know, the script, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I had to write down what you just said. Again, it's it was, you know, God kind of used you to affirm uh, some what others have said. What I say uh, is it, instead of viewing it, I'm, I mean, our mindset, what we tell ourselves is so important. And yes. God, God tells us, you know, take every thought captive. And mm. I know that how we talk to our children about a situation, um, our negativity, they absorb because they're little sponges. And I love how you said it is a rich opportunity. If we cannot, if we cannot look at like what's right in front of us, this overwhelming confusion or mayhem or whatever it is for you and your family, and we view this as God giving you this rich opportunity to help your children learn how to navigate, manage, and cope with a crisis of any level. I mean, we're going to have trials. This isn't, I mean, this is the first time I think I've ever lived through a global pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't back. I wasn't around back in, you know, 1918 when the Spanish flu came. But I, this isn't going to be the last time that our children are going to face some form of crisis or health diagnosis or financial shortfall. So Kathy, you being able to say, you know, this is a rich opportunity. Speak to the mom who isn't quite seeing it as a mm-hmm. rich opportunity. Could you speak into that? Yeah, I'd love to. I appreciate that. And, and again, I respect that it doesn't feel that way right now because the mom herself 
is overwhelmed and questioning, you know, where the, the money is going to come from for the bills. I totally respect that. So here's the thing, two things I want to say. Um, we know from the scripture that when we walk through the valleys, and, I, and don't sit down in the valley. I, I joke about Psalm 23, you know, don't sit down and count the blades of grass per square inch. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we know from other passages that our faith matures and our character matures when we successfully overcome challenges. Why does God allow us to have challenges? Because he wants us to grow up. And when I look at the um, epidemic of uh, church failures, where people are leaving the faith, they're leaving their churches, I think they have never discovered the depth of God's love because mm -hmm. they've never felt that they've needed it. And when we lean into God and when we pray and when we worship as a family, when we study scripture as a family, when we serve as a family and we do it because God compels us to, then we are going to come out of this with a deeper faith because we will know the God of the Bible. We will come out with a greater character of perseverance and effort and diligence and compassion and patience and goodness and generosity and um, courage. And those things are going to serve us and our kids well, whether we ever have a horrible crisis down the road or what I would call a minor blip in the road. Mm -hmm. And the child or the teen or the young adult looks at that and goes, well, that's nothing. I survived the virus, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, right now, and I appreciate your laughter right now, maybe not so easy to laugh at, but I think that there's potential there. And the other yeah. thing that you and I know is true. Resiliency is a 21st century skill. Resiliency, as I write about in my two most recent books, is an absolute necessity to us and our kids being able to manage this thing called life. And one of the reasons that resiliency, again, defined as um, bouncing back from trauma, despair, defeat, it's the choice to not stay down in the valley. Resiliency is I will stand back up after I was, I was you know, traumatized by X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's essential. And because these kids are being raised by technology, on technology, and they think technology cannot break, they tend to not be very resilient. They can just Google it. They just think they can reboot their life. Well, you can't reboot your life. You can reboot a device, praise God. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. But you can't reboot your heart, your spirit, your soul. What you say, you said. What you saw, you saw. What you did, you did. And we can help our kids believe in themselves and their future and the God of today and the God of tomorrow enough that they will stand back up when they have been knocked down. And that will serve them well until they die, they die an earthly death. All right, listeners, I hope you rewind this. Uh, not rewind it, but play it back. Um, and however, you, however you're listening to it, and I want you to write down what she just said, because that encapsulated what you get and the opportunity that you have during this season of having your children around you all the time. It is priceless. Mm. It is priceless. And Kathy, you did such a great job of of really talking about resilience and the ability to bounce back. We will bounce back. What we will, you know, what will we look like, you know, as a nation? Um, we don't know. We can't control any of that. But what we are able to control is our responses to our children. Mm. We're able, like you talk so often in, in your books, uh, you really want parents to know your children. And that takes time. And I believe 
that this is a golden opportunity for you to spend time with your children where you are creating richer relationships because you are getting to know the heart of your child in a way you maybe haven't had the time because let's face it, we are a very busy culture and everything is, I'm getting to it. I'll get to it tomorrow. My schedule's full. When I get home at 11 o'clock after, you know, ball practice, then we'll have that conversation. We're able to have that conversation now. And Mm -hmm. what parents are able to do through this current situation is really teach their children how to be resilient. And that is a skill that will serve them well the rest of their life. Would you agree? Absolutely. And you know, Connie, there are adults who need to be more resilient. Mm. Because if you've had, if you've had, quote unquote, an easy life, if you haven't really maybe had to walk through a lot of valleys, I mean, on one hand, I'm happy for you. On the other hand, that's not the greatest because it means you can be weak in the time of great need. So again, have grace for yourself and understand why maybe a family member or a neighbor or a coworker seems to be handling it better. Maybe they've had more experiences with trauma. So it's okay. And the good news is that this experience, if we handle it well, will, even for the adult, make a difference in our tomorrows. Mm -hmm. We can always be learning. Absolutely. It never ends. Well, Kathy, uh, out of respect for you and our time, I mean, I I just keep writing more notes and I want to go in this direction and that direction because you're just a treasure trove of great uh, perspectives and insights and wisdom. And I know that my audience just will glean so much from you. If you don't already subscribe to Celebrate Kids, go to her website and check that out. Dr. Kathy Cook, she... You know, now that you have some time, uh, you can probably maybe eke in a few chapters of a book, but I check out her, her newest book, Five to Thrive or Eight Great Smarts. You can also get the DVD because what I didn't mention in the very beginning of our podcast was she was a contributor to Kirk Cameron's Connect Real Help for Parenting Kids in a Social Media World. Um, That was a fun project. I know you've talked about it often. She's also done several segments on Focus on the Family. So if you don't follow her uh, or subscribe to her podcast, uh, Kathy, tell me the name of your podcast again. Celebrate Kids with Dr. Kathy. There you go. I love the way you did that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I would encourage you to, to... follow her and uh, follow along. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. And she will, she'll fill your bucket and she'll give you hope and inspiration. And it'll be from a Christian worldview, which is so, so important because it's not about, like she said earlier, it's not about um, us and how we are so wise and come up with all these great slogans and sayings. It's about what are, what God has assigned us to do. And are we being faithful stewards as parenting and stewarding our children for the glory of God and teaching and training them and the way they should go, um, not to be many me's. And Kathy, you've got so many, you actually have a whole segment called Kathy-isms, and they're just, they're awesome. So that's another thing for you guys to check out when you go visit Kathy. Kathy, as we close this segment, uh, would you, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I think it just oozes out of your pores. Could you just kind of give us a uh, something that, that you feel would be hopeful or helpful as parents kind of chew on this last bit of our conversation? Whoa. I know, right? <laughs> bomb. There's the mic bomb. No, but you know, I hope that's not too much, but I think you can do it. Well, this is what's on my mind. 
let's read the word of God mm. and let's, let's strategically read it. Let's believe it. Let's, let's quote it to our children. Let's memorize it. Let, let that become the handwriting practice. There are so many names of God in Christ, attributes of the triune God that we can depend upon in these times and passages and Bible heroes that remind us that there are seasons and they are seasons and we can get through them. So let's depend upon who God is. And I think, therefore, let's be in the word of God and let's do it strategically. That's what's on my mind here at the end. I absolutely love that. Thank you. And that's the most fitting way we could close this. So Kathy, um, thank you for being with me, for carving time out. I know you're regrouping and scrambling like everybody. Um, so I just appreciate you. I know my listeners appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. It's an absolute delight, Connie. Thank you for the privilege. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that segment of Coping with Crisis with Dr. Kathy Cook. I, I really can't say enough. I just want you to scoot over and check out uh, all the things that Kathy is doing. It will richly bless your lives. And just remember what she kind of left us with, and that is meditating and chewing on the Word of God. He is our refuge. He is our hope in times of trouble. And we cannot forget that. We cannot let the cares of today bog us down and cause us to get discouraged, angry, or depressed. So that wraps up this segment of the Coping with Crisis. And until next time, have a great day. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.